0: What do they call it? They call it uh, Royale with Cheese. Royale with Cheese. That's right. What's going on guys? Welcome to the first podcast of Royale with Cheese with your hosts Caleb Kolp and Seth Culp. Today uh, we're going to go over the first new movie that we saw this week and that is The Dead Don't Die. Now, typically, every podcast, we're going to start off with a new movie of that week, and then we'll go into whatever segment. So, on this movie, The Dead Don't Die, it was very, um, it came across as like a very not much character buildment at all in any of the characters except for uh, the homeless man living out in the woods. I i mean, i, I it's directed by Jim Dermush. Jim Musk. I don't know how to say names, but uh it had Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Tom Waits, Steve Buscemi, which is one of my personal favorites. So we decided to go see this movie. From the trailers and everything, it seemed like it'd be a real funny movie, you know, exactly like that zombie, hilarious trope, kind of like a zombie land, you know, to Buddy Cop almost. It just it seemed real entertaining. I love Adam Driver. I love Bill Murray. Love Steve Buscemi, like I said. And plus the director, he also directed a movie that I also enjoyed, which was Patterson. Now, Patterson was, uh, I like I said, I enjoyed it. It's definitely slow, and the characters were also very shallow. But this movie just seemed like they did no character building whatsoever. And like Seth just mentioned, the character that they had most development on was Hermit Bob, which was, <laughs> I didn't really understand. They just didn't do, they didn't do anything, it felt like. This movie was just a whole lot of mad, like, I don't know yeah it, it uh it was very deceiving uh when i watched the trailer it had that kind of humor i like where it's it's not dry but it's kind of like it's kind of like very serious they'll say a joke and just like act like it was very serious and that's what i really like but when we went to it there's a lot of also breaking of the third wall which i'm not a fan of the only movie i've really liked that from is uh deadpool it's and fourth wall but fourth wall nice. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it had a cool style to it. It kind of felt almost like I I don't I want to say timeless. It felt like it took place, I don't know, in the 60s or so. But it had a cool vibe to it, especially the convenience store. It had a lot of movie quotes and just movie memorabilia. And they're talking. Honestly, the best part was Selena Gomez, just being Selena Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like I said, I enjoyed it. It was competently made. And it looked really nice. It looked cool. But it had no character development basically whatsoever. And the, the reason I felt like he maybe did this was to portray an overarching theme or something that he was trying to get across. And he kind of went into, I don't I don't know, I mean, he got a little political maybe. And he was trying to go for that humans are ruining the earth. But that's not really what he's going for because the main thing is that uh, polar fracking has led to this shift in the Earth's tilt. Therefore, now the dead come to life. But when the dead come to life, they all go back to what they enjoy doing in life. For example, two zombies like coffee a lot. So the whole time they mumbled coffee, coffee, coffee. Kids mumbled Snickers. Wi-Fi and so from this I mean I guess I got to the point that he was trying to make was that everyone's just walking around the earth doing worrying about themselves doing what they enjoy nothing really means anything everyone's caught up in their own little worlds and we're just walking zombies except for everyone spoiler alert pretty much everyone dies except for Hermit Bob who saw this coming because he was He didn't live in society. He lived outside of society his whole life, basically, and walked around in the woods, lived on his own. He defied culture. The only other person that we saw survive was uh, the three Juvie kids. The three Juvie kids we believe survived. They didn't show it necessarily, but it's Tilda Tilda Swinton is the other one. She plays Zelda Winston. Really clever play on uh, name there. But, uh she survives she's like she's the mortuary she works at the funeral home in town she's really weird and cold walks really weird everyone thinks she's strange and in the end she survives along with we assume hermit bob survives by an alien spaceship comes out of nowhere and picks her up what is this supposed to mean no idea it was totally random just put in there and i i, I I really wanted to love this movie. Like I said, I enjoyed the director's previous works. I love Adam Driver and Bill Murray and Steve Buscemi. But this movie just felt like it was nothing. Just playing off, uh, I guess, the alien spaceship, there's a lot of uh, nonsense in this movie. Like, uh, things that you thought they could have played off of, but then it ended up going nowhere. Like they cut to a segment where you have Selena and her two friends driving down the road in a nice old car and it's kind of like playing they always are playing the dead don't die the theme song and then they get to this gas station where they meet uh, Bobby Wiggins who's played by Caleb Jones and in the scene you get when they're walking out or she's stepping out of the car there's a light that shines on her like in the classic like Love movies, like, and then you're thinking there, you're like, maybe he might save her from the zombie apocalypse, something like that. Needless to say, this whole thing goes nowhere. Bobby tries hitting on her, and in the end, everyone just dies. Yeah, and also it felt like, I I don't understand why Selena Gomez was in this movie. I mean, she literally has ten lines of dialogue, does nothing, and they find her dead. I guess, I mean, if we're going off the theme like I believe it is, that he's showing that everyone's this cop in their own little world, and we all die, we're just all walking zombies right now, living in this world. I mean, it showed that. Maybe, like, the hipsters. It just showed, like, a different array of life. Young hipsters walking around dead. I, I mean, it just, it felt, just all, basically all the characters, they had so many grade A actors and actresses, and they, none of them were used to the potential. And like Seth said, mentioned before, they break the fourth wall an awful lot, especially with the song The Dead Don't Die. In one of the beginning scenes with Adam Driver and Bill Murray as they're driving down the road, they start playing it, and he's like, this sounds really familiar. Where is this from? And he's like, well, this is the theme to the movie. And that joke, it just didn't land with me. It might have landed with some people, but it just felt forced. Like, I, I didn't feel like I was... Really, even watching like a movie, it just felt like I was just—I don't—I don't even know how to describe it. And like I said, I was super dis- just disappointed with this mo- movie. Like, it just didn't—it just didn't work for me. Also, uh, with the juvie kids, that ju- didn't have really any meaning to the story at all. I mean, they pop in and out of these juvie kids. Basically, the only s- couple scenes that you see is with this. W- one kid is in the room with them. And he's talking about, oh, this is bad. Polar fracking. This is gonna end up. And basically, the only other time you see him is basically them getting out. That's it. That's like that's the whole thing with them. I mean, there's a guard yelling at them, and that's a that's basically it. And also another thing with breaking the fourth wall. At the end, they're they're stuck in this cop car, and they break the fourth wall again. And they're talking about their scripts. Like their lines. their What's going on in the film. like, And how. Uh, Bill Murray. Didn't get like this far in his script. He, uh, he didn't get all the way to here. But. Uh, who is it? Adam. Driver. Adam Driver. Got the whole script. What was going to happen. And that's why he's been saying the whole time. I got a bad feeling about this. Yet. Then they just sit there, go out, and die. And it just wasn't funny, really a funny scene at all. I did, the one thing I will say about it, is I did like the vibe of uh, Bob Hermit, or Hermit Hermit Bob, Bob. uh, narrating it. That kind of gave a cool, old, western kind of feel to it, even though that's not really what they were going for i'd assume but it well, was cool also just with bill murray i mean i really enjoy his acting and most movies i find he's pretty hilarious and, and um this role that he played as a uh, chief cliff robertson the way he played it it kind of seemed it kind of made me think back to the movie of the life aquatic of sisu and um he just played like he didn't care and like It actually came across, like, you can play that character of, like, you just don't care what's going on. Like, he's just moving through life like a zombie. Like, like that's kind of how he played his role. But it honestly felt like he really didn't care about this movie. Like, the way he acted and everything, he was just kind of there. And that's how I felt. Like, he was just going through the motions. Now, let's, again, I get it. He was kind of going for that vibe. But it just... I can't even say it was for the paycheck because I don't know how much he got paid for this movie, but I'm assuming it wasn't a ton. And it just felt, it just felt dis- disappointing. Is the best word. Now, also, the way I think Seth has more to say about this than I will. But when we went to go see the movie, it was in a small movie theater of about 30 people on opening night. And uh, for me, it always feels like if you're going to the movies, you know, I don't know many people nowadays. It's just pop into the movie theater and then uh, just randomly choose a movie Like usually if you're going to go to the movie and spend anywhere from 10 to $15 you know what you want to see that way you enjoy it so we go to this theater really nice, really nice new seats and everything and there's about only 30, I think there's only 34 seats in the whole theater now uh, they serve alcohol at this theater and uh, I'll, let, I'll let Seth take this away because I feel like he was a lot more upset about this than me well, it's it's another thing is it's like a selective theater. Like, it's not like you can find this movie at any theater by you. It's like... There's it limited release. Yes. yes. So, like, you're not getting anyone off the street. You're getting people that know exactly what they're coming into. But the other thing is, is you just got to be... There's one thing about being courteous to other people. And these people come in... But they were drunk out of their minds. No, these these two they were like two or three middle-aged women, and they sat above us. They came in twenty minutes late, and they come into the theater, and they're already laughing as they walk into their seats, which is fine. I mean, you can enjoy a movie. I I don't I don't clap at the movies at the end. I don't cheer. There's people that do it. That's fine. You know what? I will even say there's been people who go on their phones and text during a movie. And even though I don't enjoy it, and it throws me off, and I don't like people doing it, it's not that bad, because if they do it once or twice, it's like, whatever, just put your phone away. I can forgive it. I'm a pretty forgiving person. I've even had someone talk on the phone. Like, they answered their phone in the middle of a theater, and that was annoying. But, nothing compares to these ladies. They literally, I'm sure, were on their fourth glass of Chardonnay, it felt like. And every time, like I said before... The zombies would repeat words. That's all they'd say. they say coffee, coffee, coffee. And after every line of dialogue, especially with those lines, one lady, one of the three, would repeat it, and the other two would start dying laughing. Now, once again, this is a 30-man movie theater, so it's small. And especially with them sitting right behind us, they just kept doing it the whole time time, talking, and you know what, I'm glad this is the movie we went to go see where I really didn't care a 100%, but it started pissing me off, because it just, I don't understand, (laughs) dude, I don't think we should be serving alcoholic theaters, and if we do, there should be a limit, which I do think there is a limit, and I don't know if they just got plastered before they came to the movie, but like I said, they came late, and they disturbed 90% of the movie after that. You couldn't even really hear the movie because, like you were saying, they'd say Snickers. And then one girl would be like, huh, they said Snickers. And then everyone would laugh so loud. And it's so hard to keep your concentration when somebody's just basically yelling in your theater. Just don't be that person. Don't be the person to ruin such a cool event for other people. And, and like I said, it's I enjoy going to the theater a lot and seeing films and movies. And the thing was is that I paid ten dollars for my ticket now ten dollars is ten dollars but don't ruin the experience for everyone else like what is wrong with you I just wanted to go see this movie laugh a little bit and then talk about it here on the podcast but they went out of their way to make it one of the most grueling theater experiences and maybe I should have told him to shut up I probably should have or it got so on but me I didn't I know Seth didn't We should have. Next time, I will for sure do it. Because it really ruined this theater. You know, you're sitting there waiting. You're waiting for the guy next to you. You're like, okay. They're definitely disrupting the whole theater. Maybe someone's going to get up and say something. One guy actually got up. I'm like, all right, good. He's going to get the usher. No, he came back with another beer. Because I don't think he could handle these ladies he was sitting next to. But anyways. What was your rating for The Dead Don't Die? I gave The Dead Don't Die a 4. Because... It, to me, was not that good of a movie, and generally I put fives as it was okay, it was there. Dead Don't Die is something I want to forget about, because there's something I really wished would have been really good, and it turned out to not be good at all. I give it 5 out of 10, just because, uh, like I said, it was just a lot of meh. You know, it was nothing really super special about it, the style used in it was real cool and I liked how it looked throughout the whole film and I think it was competently done but I honestly feel like I will forget about this movie in two weeks so for that reason I gave it a 5 out of 10 now this coming up segment is called The People versus The Academy this whole segment will involve we'll take a movie that won the Academy award versus the highest grossing film of that year this week we uh, went back to the 46th annual academy awards the first televised academy awards from movies from 1973 but the awards took place in 74 the movie that won the academy award was the sting and the highest grossing film of that year was the exorcist now uh seth break down the sting for me so basically it's two grifters team up To pull off the ultimate con and it is set in Chicago in 1936 and you have Gondorf in the movie who's played by Newman and he is this con artist that apparently is hiding from the law so he's now is a teacher and he's teaching young rising con men and uh, Johnny Hooker comes to him trying to pull off this big con because his friend told him about it. And they're trying to get $500,000 out of this con. And back in 1930, let's just say that's a lot of money. Yeah, we didn't adjust for inflation or anything. But uh, what they're doing is they're scamming uh, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw plays Doyle Wanigan in the movie. And it, um, it's directed by George Roy Hill. It's Like I said, it's very competently done. Uh, I'm not as big of a, um, I'm not big of a heist fan as uh, Seth is. I find them usually pretty repetitive and you know what we're getting, which some people really enjoy, but I just find them, they're okay usually at, at best. This one was a very slow burn movie. You know, uh, not much happens till the very end, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying it's not one of the most exciting heist movies I've ever seen, but, um, very competently done, and but the only thing about this movie, which I don't know, is I've I've seen I've seen quite a bit of classic movies, but I haven't seen a, a ton. But I've have seen a good amount, and I just don't know if this is one of those f- first heist movies that all these tropes come into play. For example, you know they um, Robert Redford is uh, he wants a bigger job. Like he he's doing these small con jobs and he's getting small amounts of money and he's just basically throwing it away. So he wants to do a big con. He wants he wants to do the big job. You know the trope in every movie: one last job, gotta do the big job, even though that's not his last job. But so he finds out about Henry Gondorf, who has run many big cons in his life. So he goes to meet up with him. I'm gonna be a little nitpicky here because this trope is just I don't know what it is, but like I said. I don't know if this was so cliche back then because this could have been one of the first times it was used, but today watching it, it seems it's very cliche. He goes to where Henry Gondorf is located at this like, I don't want to say it's carnival. It's just uh, has a merry go round, and he's there passed out drunk, and Johnny Hooker has to wake him up in the bathtub. You know it's this classic thing. The young guy finds the old guy, he's passed out drunk, but he's super good at what he does. But they never, throughout the rest of the film, address his alcoholism. It's only this one scene that he's this passed out drunk, but he's really good, so he needs his help. But I, uh, most people describe this movie as um, being fun. And I often times find when people describe movies as fun... That they don't actually end up being that great of movies. Now, like I said, super competently done, cool plot. I think they execute it very well. Has a little twist, and um, I, I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. Seth. Well, just to clarify on the five hundred thousand dollars, it's nine million thirty two thousand six hundred and nineteen and ninety cents. So, it's basically like stealing $9 million, which can get you a long way, even if you're dividing it up between 100 guys. Yeah, that, that was my point. that's my point about this movie, is the big con is pulled off between literally like 30 people. Hey, these get a big paycheck, which is true, but it's just funny because it's like, not only did they have to rent out spaces, pay for costumes play for all everything to set this guy up then they have to split it 30 ways so in the end the big con doesn't seem like it's that big of a job at the end of the day but uh the one thing that this movie really does well which i i assume is that uh it's supposed to make you feel like in the 1930s they have it like cut off different parts and they open with a title card an old-timey one from the 1930s and the music throughout. Is almost seems like carnival music, you know, you'd hear, and personally, I can't stand it. But I get why they did it. They want you to really feel like you're in the 1930s. The only thing is, I know it's nostalgia works because obviously it works with, as we see, um, Stranger Things. Stranger Things is banking on nostalgia. And it's a decent show, but really, it's where it's getting viewers is nostalgia. The funny thing is, most of the people that watch that show have never lived through that time period. But the thing is, I can relate to that time period because I've seen a lot of movies from the 80s. I have not seen a lot of movies from the 30s. I know that what the 30s were like, but if you told me this movie was from the 1920s, or the 1930s, or the 1940s, I couldn't tell you the difference. So, I feel like in 1973, there was people still alive from the 40s, and 30s, and 20s. So, they were able to distinguish between what they were watching, and it made them feel nostalgic, and that's why I think another reason this movie maybe have won the Oscar, because nostalgia, I think, is pretty powerful. I mean, I I would just say uh, about the movie, it's most heist movies, you usually got, like you said, one to two guys, maybe three, and they really did, I thought it was pretty cool how they brought all these people together and how they all worked out, because they had a whole operation going, like, they had these police guys on it that weren't FBI. And, yeah. and it, it just, it was really like, it was cool. How pulling off this heist took so many people in doing that. But then again, it's kind of like, it doesn't give like that heist movie to it where it's just like four guys going in. They each got a job and they got to get it done instead of having 30 guys. And they're all just like, cause a lot of the guys just played like background. Like, sat there in a chair and acted like they were a part of this organization. Actually, though, I disagree with you on this. Because actually, to me, that actually felt better to me. That is cool that they're able to get 30 guys, dress up, each has a specific role. And they all have to portray it and convincingly to get this heist pulled off. And they all hate this guy. So, some way or another, they some people know him and hate him, and other people just want to be part of the big con for the payday. But I, I actually did enjoy that they had literally a room full of people, and they're all in on it. Now, I did, go ahead. I did like how they had a bunch of side plots, too, going on, like how the police was after uh, Johnny Hooker. The police was always after him, trying to catch him, and that was kind of like a side plot, which then came into being part of the big plot. And I really didn't see the picture till like, the end of how it all mushed together. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) also, you know what? Any movie with an elevator operator, you know what? They need to bring elevator operators back. Now, granted, most worthless job there ever was. People, I think they had a lever. I don't think they had buttons in the 1930s. But let's be real. We all need an elevator operator back. That's what every hotel, every store should invest in is elevator op- screw the Walmart greeter. We need elevator operators back. It did uh it did also going more on the looks of nineteen thirty, I did like how it looks. Like imagine imagine just a painting of a city in nineteen thirty. That's kind of how the vibe it gave, how they had uh I wouldn't say raggier clothes, but their clothes definitely like had that Old authentic look to it. See, yeah, that's that's my point. Like, I felt like they get a, did a good job with the costume design and everything, and from everything I hear and read about it, they did do a good job. It just personally, I can't attest to the 1930s. But you know what? Like I said, this movie was very competently done. I enjoyed it. It it was fun. It was. I didn't think it was great by any means. I gave the film, I gave it a 7 out of 10. That's what I gave it. I gave it an 8. I, I like heist movies a lot. I thought it was... I didn't really didn't see too much wrong with the movie. It just was slower to me. It just didn't really keep my uh, attention that well. And most heist movies do. It felt like... I've, I've seen other heist movies, and obviously this is not a super serious heist movie. And when they tried to go serious, it wasn't great. I felt like it was it was okay. It just it wasn't it, the movie's supposed to be fun, and that's what they were going for. So when they went serious in a few scenes, it wasn't phenomenal. And I just I've enjoyed other heist movies better, so that's why I give it a seven out of ten. But like I said, this did win the Oscar. But no a movie didn't win the Oscar was the highest grossing film, Exorcist. Uh, the Exorcist. It's if you don't know what it's about, it's when a teenage girl is possessed by a mysterious entity, ghost. Demon. Her mother <laughs> seeks her mother seeks to help the two pri- two priests basically to cast out this demon. On the face level it seems a very simple movie. I mean, it's literally called The Exorcist, so I mean, what could this movie possibly evolve and I feel like most people have seen this movie, but uh um... Just uh, just to say though, this this movie was not only the highest-grossing film of 1973, it's also the highest-grossing film when adjusted for inflation that Warner Brothers has ever ever released, and it's actually the first horror film to ever be nominated for the Best Picture, which was later they've nominated a couple of others, but obviously Silence of the Lamb is the only one that's ever won. I thought it was a very well movie put together. I mean, generally when it comes down to it, when I watch a older scary movie, I don't generally feel creeped out about it or scared about it. Generally, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the only one that really is giving me that. But I will say there was some pretty weird, disgusting scenes in The Exorcist. Yeah, I mean, like like Seth said, uh, older horror movies, oftentimes, you know, they, uh, they seem cheesy. I mean, it's just because it's the sign of the times. But I thought this movie did practical effects fairly well. I mean, I mean, they hold up. Obviously, there's things that don't hold up in this film. But I I believe a lot of it was truly haunting, and uh, it's directed by William Friedrich Fried, Friedkin. Friedkin, I'm sorry. He also did The French Connection. You know, he's a real famous director. You know, and uh, everyone acted really well. the The little girl. Which is a uh, Linda Blair. She plays Reagan, which is the little girl who gets the demon inside of her. And um, as a girl, she was an okay actor, but as the demon possessed child, she was very it was very well done. I mean, she was legitimately creepy. And especially the scene where she walks downstairs, you know, and they think she might be possessed or something, and they're having the big party, you know, and everything, and, and then she walks down the stairs and just pees herself on the carpet, you know. It's just one of those scenes where it wasn't, like, super creepy or anything, but it was just like, oh, my gosh, man. This is, this is like, that's when I felt like this movie really started heating up, you know. And like I said, it's another, it's another slow movie, and I'm really – actually impressed because nowadays it seems like every week there's another horror movie coming out and um a lot of them are absolute garbage but a movie that came out almost 50 years ago including the texas chainsaw massacre that they both creep me out a little bit and do a good job at scaring me i think is a lot to say for how it's done and I, i i i really enjoyed it and um I have a few nitpicks with it. I believe I, re- I really enjoyed this because it wasn't like your typical horror. It wasn't in it just for the scares. It wasn't there with jump scares and stuff to get, you know, it was a lot of it. They had faces hiding in the background kind of subtly. I mean, you definitely knew they were there, but like the demons face and stuff, but honestly, the movie is about two hours long. And, um, don't quote me on this, but I feel like at least over half of it is just exploring the idea. Do, demons exist is my daughter crazy and needs a psychiatrist or is she actually possessed by demons and i felt like they did this real well because this is coming after um the late 60s which uh basically america shunned god and everything to do with religion and everything and everyone wanted to go their own ways in this film you know i think they explore it real well they it shows that no one believes no one believes that she's actually possessed I mean, the mom, it takes forever. I mean, it's almost to the point of hilarity because it, this is, like, after the scene where she crawls, like, I don't even know what it is. It's, like, upside down crab crawl. I don't even know what it is. And like, stuff is coming out of her mouth. Yeah, like. Like, like, it's after all these things where you're, like, okay, like, apparently schizophrenic is not going to be doing this. And they're still, like, ah, nah, dude, she, she might just, uh, she might have some ADD or something. Like, like it's kind of absurd to the point but even the thing that I found really interesting was like the mom finally accepts it the mom says no she needs an exorcism like I took her to every doctor I could think of they've even said she needs exorcism because they, they have no clue what's going on and so she brings the priest over and the funny thing is it's it's this man's voice that's talking obviously like a demonic voice through the daughter and and the priest is just chilling there. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're just kind of crazy." He's like talking, and then it takes him forever to finally say, "Okay, we need an exorcism." Now, I give the priest props on some of it because he's trying to test. The priest is in there and he's trying to test it. He's like, "Can you can you move this or this?" And it just keeps saying, "In time, in time." And also, he has so many like protocols you got to go through the Catholic church. Yes. That before you can even ask permission to go through an exorcist. So like, and to top it off, he goes, he has normal water and he says, I'm going to sprinkle this holy water on you and sprinkles it on the girl, which is, has a demon in there. And the girl freaks out, you know, like goes wild and he comes downstairs and he's like, that was normal water. So the demon does give him doubt. Now, Granted, also at this point she's like gray, and has like it has like green stuff coming out of her mouth. So it is it is like it looks like it, but I can see kind of where he's coming from. Yeah, and he's also struggling with his own faith. He's come to a dif- another priest and said it himself. He doesn't know if he believes in God because his his mom is what I'm assuming is he has to take her to a sane asylum basically or men- mental health facility back then because she's she can't really live on her own. She's living in a really bad part of town. So he decides to take her there and he's already feeling guilt because in the film his mother dies and he kind of feels like it was on him because he brought her there and he visited her. So like, like I said, this 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 film it doesn't it focuses it's definitely a horror movie. It definitely it's a goal is to scare you. But it's so much more than that. I, I feel like it tackles bigger subjects of faith and religion, and everything, and just believing. Because, like I said, no one believes that she can be possessed. They're like, this is an old-time thing. We don't even do exorcisms really anymore. Like, she's just she just has mental issues, you know. And yet, some things are just not explainable, and this movie tackles that. I think in a very interesting way and you know it's funny because in the filming of this movie a lot of the scenes like when she pukes the green stuff all over his face he was it was only supposed to shoot him in the chest and stuff so he had genuine reaction of the stuff hitting him in the face and that's what I've seen for a lot of things I've read about this film is that a lot of a lot of the things the actors or something something went wrong and it actually a lot of the reactions are genuine of the actors and people, and this, um, like I said, I, I I really enjoy this because it does. Like I said, it doesn't just go for scares; it actually goes for something more compelling, and it's very well done, from the makeup to the costume design to just acting. It was all done very well. I will say my favorite thing that meant. Uh a lot to me. It means a lot to me in scary movies, which Caleb was hitting on, but I don't think he was saying it directly, is uh there is no like dumb scares. There's no there's one that I can think of. Yeah, there's pointless no jump scares. There's yes. no like in pet cemetery with the the car flies by like twelve times to make you jump. Things pop out in front of you. It was more of like a hereditary where it's trying to get you psychologically, which is I think the best kind of horror because it actually does its job and is scary it's not just a second of adrenaline rush yeah it's it's not it's not manipulating you to feel certain like in the sense it's not just throwing something really quickly on screen with a loud noise to scare you and then it turns out it's a bird or something like you said the truck like this movie actually goes for a legitimate haunting you and I I think I've there's very few scary movies that you see nowadays that, legit, like, like you said, Hereditary is a good example. That's one film where they don't go for jump scares. I, I don't think there's any jump scares in that film. And in the end, it creeps you out more. And even, like I said, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, yes. that movie has a lot more flaws than I think The Exorcist does. Yes. And uh, there's not as good. But to me, at least, I everyone's different. That movie is genuinely scary to me. Now, do you have any nitpicks about this movie? Um, not too much. I mean, like I said, there was one of those scares in the beginning, which I didn't like. Uh, Not the very, very beginning, but, like, the beginning of when the movie's starting to, like, break down and start to get scary. I will say it did even have funny scenes in it, which generally you don't see too much of in horror movies when he's in the doctor's office. And she's like, he's like, uh... Does she swear at home or anything like that? And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. the The writing for this movie was pretty well done too. Like you said, there was some humor scenes. I mean, that was, this movie didn't go overboard whatsoever. Actually, that's probably like the, one of the only few funny parts. The only I have a few nitpicks. The first scene when they're doing the archaeological dig with the exorcist who comes in, which is played by Max von Sito, Sydow, Father Marin. He he comes in to perform this exorcism along with the priest that's already been there for many years because he's trained. He's done exorcisms before. But the opening scene he's in, I'm not sure where it is. It's in the Middle East or Egypt yeah. or, or some sort. It's on a dig. Like, uh, yeah, they're on an archaeological dig, yes. and I don't. It, it lasts for. It's too long. And I get it. There's a scene where they show the statue of the devil, and he's standing next to it, and it's supposed to be symbolic, like, good versus evil, you know, and it's symbolizing what's going to come in this film. But overall, it just, it went on a little long. But like I said, didn't ruin the movie. Did not dislike it any less for that. I just felt was a nitpick. Also, the other nitpick I would say is when the mother goes up in the attic, because she keeps hearing things, and she thinks there's rats. She goes up with a candlestick. <laughs> now this movie unlike The Sting is not supposed to be taking place in 1930 or 1830 and even the guy who comes up after her has a flashlight but the only reason she had a candlestick is so the demon could blow like like a blowtorch it just felt kind of cheesy a, a dumb scene that didn't need to be there but overall I really liked it and um, it's one of my favorite horror movies uh, Seth was you rating for this? Well, the one thing I'd say that I didn't like about it before we go into ratings is uh I thought there was like there was a scene where it just didn't make any sense, wasn't sure why it was in the movie, is when they're talking about the dad and how the dad wasn't there for years. It just I mean Um I think I think they one of the reason that they had that was to show that maybe she's been um traumatized yeah for... tough divorce bad divorce and when they trying to that way she yeah. this could have led to her mental problem or hypothetical mental problems that's why i think they put that in there just a little more character building why the husband wasn't there and stuff but yeah, yeah. It, that like i said i really enjoyed it i actually i gave this a 10 out of 10 i loved it like i said there wasn't anything in it that i really disliked enough to lower the rating competently well done the makeup was great um and i actually actually this movie got to me like it's really well done and crazy enough you know we usually differ one to two ratings always on our movies but i gave this movie a 10 out of 10 i thought it was a perfect horror movie it like i said it didn't do any dumb jump scares it really just stuck to its roots of The demon possession, psychological. I even thought when they were giving the actual exorcism, it was actually still pretty creepy. I mean, even not like like the parts when he was shaking. Also, when he walks in the room and the priest is dead because of the demon after the exorcism. That was, yes. It was like, it just shows you, I guess, the more realistic it tries putting itself in, the scarier it's going to be for me. And that's what I like. Actually, you know what? I do have one more to pick you know, you bring up the ending. I didn't like how it ended. I wasn't disappointed with it. I don't know the word. This is why I say it doesn't break down my rating. But the fact that what happens in it is that, um, they're performing the exorcism. Uh, the other priest walks in and, um, father Marin is dead on the ground. Well, father Karis walks in, sees him dead. And he basically, no, F- father, father has already been creeped out. Cause it talks in his mother's voice. And, there's all this stuff, and so Father Caris basically knows, you know, if if uh, if Father Maron's dead, doing this exorcism, there's no way out for me. Basically, he knows he's gonna die, so basically he pleads with the demon to come into him instead. And As it comes into him, he jumps out the window and commits suicide. Now, the ending was fine. I just I was uh, I just felt like they could have done it better you know cuz like i understand he's like the sacrificial character you know but it was just it just felt like him committing suicide just it felt like the demon one and yeah, that could be fine it just wasn't a satisfying ending to me you know but also the guy he just he was already going it was one of those things where the guy was just going through so many struggles himself i i saw it almost like in uh Gran Torino, where the guy, he killed so many people in the war, and then he goes up and he yeah, dies. Yeah, basically sacrifices yeah, himself. So that's... Yeah, I, like I said, yeah, he, he's definitely sacrificing himself, and sorry for spoiling Gran Torino to any of you out there that <laughs> haven't seen it. <laughs> but, but I don't know. I just wasn't satisfied with it. I felt like they could have done something else with it. I, better. I don't think it was a bad ending. I, uh, it was very well done. I just thought, like, I just wish he would survive. You know, I, I didn't like that. He just, that's how it was done, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't see where you're coming from really <laughs> at all, but that, that's okay. That's why this is an opinionated show, and we'd like for you all to listen. Yeah, pretty much. I guess that's it. Uh, w- w- This week, who do you think won? Do you think the people? Obviously, with your rating... You're gonna go with The Exorcist, I'm assuming, and honestly, with my 10 out of 10, I have to go with the people on this one. But I think this is one of those years. I think as the years go on, the Academy separates from people because you got to think The Exorcist was still nominated for Best Picture, so the critics and the Academy still thought this movie was worth its crap, which I, which I'm glad. You know, I'm glad this movie was nominated; it deserved it. I think it deserved the Oscar. I can't really see why The Sting won over this, but the Academy makes a lot of bad decisions. But um, as we've seen with the last couple of years with uh, <laughs> Green Book and uh, The Shape of Water winning the Academy Award, that most people really could just care less about, let alone dislike. The Academy, I feel like that this time, still tried. Yeah, uh, I'd agree. I'd say... Uh... It wasn't as much political, nah, 73, than it is now. Uh, the Sting, great movie. Did not think it was as good as The Exorcist. But then again, also, I think The Exorcist was kind of a taboo thing. And I do agree with, unless it absolutely is the best movie, they shouldn't go with popular because that means Endgame would win, and I think we all can agree yeah, Endgame is you know, I, I agree listen, listen, listen movie. Listen. I'm not saying the highest grossing film should automatically win. But what I'm saying is, for example, in uh when Return of the Kings won Lord yeah. of the Rings. Yeah. That movie I'm mean, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I believe it's the highest grossing film of that year. I'm and sorry. won it. So therefore, people saw it like, like for Hurt Locker. Barely anyone saw the movie. Now I love Hurt Locker but barely anyone saw that movie and it wins the Oscar. And that's what I'm saying. It's just like, not saying that they have to choose the thing that people have watched and loved the most, but I do feel like there is a sense that maybe we should choose a film that's great. And it's not just this move where we're just choosing a film because, or the Academy. We could do whatever we want. I just don't think they care anymore, personally. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I mean, it's not like anyone watches it. So, that could be a big thing, too. But, I I mean, I would say The Exorcist was the better movie. Probably should have won the Academy Award. Just because, I mean, didn't really see too much wrong with it. I mean, it was great acting in both movies. They both had good acting. But, I just... I also think The Exorcist did something that, like... I don't want to say that's never been done before, but it, they did something that like that took it to the next level, I guess. Yeah, so. I, I I agree. They they did the horror genre much justice. Even the whole seventies have some good horror in it, and um, as we see, this movie was nominated for best picture, so obviously, even the critics and the Academy saw that it deserved it deserved something. But um, yeah, I mean. There, there's many good movies that came out this year also but I, I do think The Exorcist is the best film that came out this year that I've seen at least so um, basically that's wrapping up for episode one uh, next week we'll pr- hopefully come out and uh, what we'll be reviewing is uh, Toy Story 4 and then uh, when it comes to uh, The People vs. The Academy or The Academy versus The People it will be The Godfather Part 2 versus blazing saddles oh those are some nice classics i've seen both of these films and i enjoy them both immensely personally i know which one i think one so that that's our first podcast uh thank you all for listening this is uh royale with cheese all right see you guys